We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 8th day of July, the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and a fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm really, really good. Thank you very much for asking. I know that you're suffering a bit. This is what happens when you, you're sort of, um, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Promiscuous. I think you've been around kissing metal poles or something. Something. Um, to, to, yeah, to, just to test your immune system. But... It, it's got you, dude. Yeah, I picked up something somewhere, and I don't know uh, whether or not it's uh, it's actual COVID. I didn't take a COVID test. I'm not taking one of those damn things. But uh, I had a um, had a very serious fever for three days. I uh, was able to keep it down mostly with uh, some American over-the-counter drugs for a couple of days. And then the third day, it came back, and it wasn't too high. So I thought I would just let nature take its course and see if it would break itself, and it did. Uh, and so far, I've been able to manage it. Uh, I've been heavily, heavily doing vitamins and stuff like that. I did lose taste and smell, but not fully, not fully. But that could also be to the serious congestion that I've got. I've had no issues with any kind of respiratory thing. I've got no issues breathing or anything like that. So there's none of that going on. I have had some uh, some muscle fatigue. It's really strange. Hips, uh, back of the calves. It's just like it's it's really weird. It just comes and goes. It's really strange. But anyway, um, I'm on the mend. Uh, I'm doing better. Uh, I had a rack of ribs for dinner and I could taste it and it was unbelievably good. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's wondering where we've been this week, it's because I've been on my deathbed <laughs> for for lack of a better term. But anyway, Bruce, how are you? It's good to see you this week. Yeah, healthy and alive, uh, doing well. I, I will say that it could still be COVID uh, because you do have the new variants, Omicron, blah, blah, blah. And it does not go to the respiratory tract anymore. It now sits in the throat. So yeah, and so I have had it. Yeah, I have have had a bit of a sore throat, but the sore throat didn't come in until after the fever broke, if that makes any sense, which is really strange. Yeah, it, but let's be honest, it, it, it's it's not COVID. It, it, it's a monkeypox. That's what it is. It, OK, yeah, it's, it's got to be monkeypox. But I'm still waiting on the like the lesions or something to, to come in. I, I haven't seen those yet. Yeah, that's that's after like two weeks. Is that after two weeks? Is that after the taste and smell fully returned? And then so, yeah, you you actually like literally this is what they say the symptoms are. You get flu like symptoms first and that lasts up to a week. And then you get over that. And then like. Two weeks after that, one to two weeks after that, up to four weeks, you, you'll start seeing lesions, rashes, those kind of things. And they'll progress to basically boils. That that was the same with chicken pox when I was a kid. It would be a couple of days of high temperature uh, and flu-like symptoms, and then the spots would come out. And that was the fun part, you, uh, you know, standing there in front of a mirror, pulling your shirt up and just seeing how many spots you had. I remember doing that with measles. I remember doing it with chicken pox. But I had the measles. We only ever got to you. I I had measles. I was vaccinated against measles, but I still got the spots. Uh, and it it was 
again, such fun to see all these spots all over your body. It was very entertaining. Now, I suppose in later life, you get into things like Dr. Pimple Popper. And and that's what we could do. If we've all got monkeypox, we can create loads of content because it's all there on Facebook at the moment. All you've got to do is flick into the videos and it's a constant stream of people popping blackheads and zits and boils and all kinds of mean and nasty things. This is what constitutes entertainment these days. I think that's kind of repulsive, but I, I mean, who am I, right? I, I guess I have a different view of what passes for entertainment. I don't think that any of the stuff that's supposed to, quote, entertain us actually entertains me. Like, I, I played a I played a clip earlier of a comedian that we were watching during prep. That was entertaining to me. I mean, I, I laughed at that. Well, that's why I said that you'd been licking metal poles. Um, of course, our listeners wouldn't have heard that. I should have said kissing handrails or something. But yeah, that's what the, the, the comedian, what was his name again? Can you remember? Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's someone satirizing vaccinators, people who are so pleased to get their their first vaccine. Oh, I've got my, my, my second shot in two months or, or whatever. And, and then they slowly but surely find out that it's not giving them the immunity they were expecting and uh, they feel quite rough after taking it and they're not sure of, about what the long-lasting effects of it are going to be. And I, I don't know, you and you guys and Ned spoke about it a couple of days ago or a few days ago. Um, I was listening uh, today. Uh, to that podcast and found it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, we, we've got to start making fun of this because if you don't, what you're just going to cry. If you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Well, look at any of the the things that the left pushes for and and ridicules the right. Any position that the right has, that's what they do. They they come at you and mock you. They they. Uh, I mean, in recent times, it's it's been a little bit more aggressive than mocking. Now it's it's. Um, I don't know, burning down your business, you know, those those kind of things. But uh, I, I wouldn't su- suggest going that far. I'm saying just mocking and ridiculing them for their positions is, um, where, you know, where the line should be. Well, I am. Um, I got tired of listening to commercial radio because every few minutes it's a bit more of the fear being ramped up with the adverts for vaccine um, clinics that are popping up and do this and do that a while back but then the last few days the nhs has decided to reinstigate mandating uh mask wearing inside hospitals i had to post something on fastbook so i did i I told you they were coming back yeah and as it turns out i basically said you know don't wear a mask have the courage to tell them to stick their their useless piece of cloth or paper where the sun doesn't shine uh, and refuse. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine commented back, he was sat in a hospital car park. His wife was inside having had a stroke. Uh, so she's bleeding in you know, from the brain and he wasn't allowed to even go in to visit her. You're um, kidding me. No, because they've, they've reinstigated all these... COVID restrictions, yet they had contractors who were there working on the building, walking in and out um, at will, maskless. But well, if you're a knows. patient or a visitor... The, vi- the virus knows. It's just like people oh, yeah, sitting, down, sitting down at a table in a restaurant, not having to wear one. The virus knows to just say, well, I'm, okay, he's eating or, or she's eating. I don't have to bother this one now. I'll just go to the next one. The thing that upsets me most is for, for the staff that are forced to enforce these ridiculous rules 
it's just a box that has to be ticked and they are air quotes simply obeying orders or simply following orders it's the deceitful lying horrible people that are creating the policies that are really to blame and so someone within the nhs has decided i oh, will have masks back on because there's been a few more covid cases and there's staff shortages due to incidences of covid well of course there are because you made most of your staff you know coerce them into vaccination they will be testing positive on a regular basis because their own body is replicating the protein spike which is what the tests look for and they've been overworked so I've probably said this before on here. I don't blame them. If they test positive, they don't go into work. They get a, a couple of weeks off or a week off or whatever. Uh, and it's it's your own fault, NHS bosses, because you forced them into that bad decision to have the vaccine. And I don't know. I didn't bother asking any any, any further, but I'm assuming that his wife, my friend's wife, has had the vaccine and her stroke, her bleed on the brain, is possibly a vaccine injury, possibly, because she, she's not overweight, she's a non-smoker, you know, fairly healthy. So why should she suddenly have a stroke? I haven't asked him that question, and he'll remain anonymous, and, and hopefully if everything turns out okay, I'll get the chance to ask him in the future. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that about uh, about your friend's missus. I uh, hope there's a uh, full recovery there that's made. Yeah. After, after yeah, I, I agree. After everything that's gone on over the last two and a half years, um, it would take a lot of um, grace, shall we say. If if a um, one of the staffers says, I'm sorry, you can't go and see your wife. Okay. How many of the nurses and doctors can you call in here to restrain me from going to see my wife? And how far are you willing to go? This is the worst bit. The hospital that I was going to on quite a regular basis, and I didn't wear a mask. I'd walk in. If I was challenged, I said, I don't need to, and carry on walking, and they, they wouldn't run and chase me. But there were four security guards outside each entrance. And this is who's after the restrictions had been... Who's paying for all this? I'll tell you who's paying for it. I'm paying for it through my national insurance. It's the taxpayers and, are paying for that. And taxes. We're going to come on to the chat later, I'm sure. But Johnson um, released a, a sort of piece for social media saying, this is the biggest and best thing that's happened for the general public in decades. And it was about having national insurance decreased. And there was a, a link to a tax calculator that would tell you how much you were going to save um, with their new measures. And you know how much um, I was going to save in, you know, for, for a year? This is a whole year's savings, um, £19. I was going to be generous However, and say 40 No, 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 £19. So I must remember not to spend it all in one place. Um, because I don't want to, you know, to to sort of make fluctuations in 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 the in the markets, and I will be able to build back better. It'll be with Lego from a charity shop, but I will be building back better. So thank you, Boris, for my nineteen pounds. You're not wrong. Legos are pretty expensive nowadays too. So, I, oh, they're, they're very expensive. I don't know if you've ever been to the store. Um, that you know, some big cities have a Lego store that just sells lego mm -hmm. and and near to us um 
there's a whole Lego land. It used to be Windsor Safari Park and it got turned into Legoland. Marvellous place to visit. And I, I really used to love Lego, but it is ridiculously expensive. But we're a bit off topic there, so I apologise. Well, I'm unashamedly, I still have all of mine from my youth. So in large tubs. So uh, you're Sorry, not you're the only one. You're allowed to have it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, you mentioned Boris Johnson. To my surprise, most of your government, if not all of it, uh, at least at the cabinet level, has all resigned in the last 24 to 48 hours. Sajid Javid was one of the first to go. Uh, Jarhead, as Ned likes to call him, the uh, the UK health secretary, who's not even an expert in the realms of health at all. I'm not quite sure why he was even there, other than the fact that he's one of Schwab's lackeys. Richie Sunak has also resigned. Uh, and then, of course, you've got most of the other uh, candidates, or most of the other candidates, which is what it's going to come to, isn't it? Um, you got most of the other people in the cabinet that have resigned. And Boris Johnson himself, uh, I watched the speech this afternoon, stepped out of the door of number 10 and resigned himself. So, uh, look, we know he's been a disaster uh, and he's been nothing but a, uh, but a hypocritical, narcissistic liar since he's been in there. He turned his back on the British people. You know, the whole point of let's get in there and let's get it done. Okay, fine. Get it done. Get out of the European Union. That was your only task, not to screw over the rest of the the United Kingdom. And that's what he did. Not to put everybody back in to the monstrosity that you were supposed to leave, which is exactly what he did. And then he goes out today, and I don't have the speech. I, I don't have it queued up. I'm sorry that I don't, but it's it's useless anyway. It's, it's nothing but a bunch of hot air. But he was talking up all the things that they accomplished during the pandemic. Sir, you destroyed the country. So the resignation doesn't come soon enough. It should have happened right after, right after all of this, uh, you know, everything went to hell within the UK. And yeah. now everybody's now, now everybody's pulling away. So what's what's going to happen? Now, and this is where I'm kind of confused. I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with how your system works, but not to this particular stage of things. I've never seen, at least not in my lifetime, um, I've never seen, and I, I can't even recall in modern history reading about uh, your government. I can't even recall a time when an entire government there has resigned. So what happens now? What happens now? is Johnson manages to stay in power for quite some time because there will now be a runoff process to elect a new leader of the Conservative Party. And then by default, that new leader of the Conservative Party becomes the Prime Minister. And and this is because they are still only halfway through their term maybe a little bit more than half it was 2019 when when he was elected as prime minister so he's got four years before he has to call a general election or hold a general election so the truth of it is he may have come out and given that speech but he's still going to be in charge for at least another two to three months uh during which time even more of the agenda can be achieved and yeah, he, he he hasn't properly got us out of, of the EU the way he said he was going to do it. And he has kowtowed and enforced ridiculous, ineffectual restrictions during the pan- pandemic. And he, he is everything that everyone has ever said that he is, a narcissistic liar. And that bumbling fool 
act that he puts on is is exactly that. It's an act. He is a very, very calculating and, I hate to say it, but clever man because he's managed to fool so many people. But the cabinet, as far as the cabinet is concerned, the, the 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 two major resignations, that of Richie Sunak and Sajid Javid, they went first, and then it's kind of the avalanche effect. But I think those two went first because they fully intend to stand in the um, the leadership election, and they have to you know demonstrate their distaste for the prime minister by resigning well ahead of him resigning so that they can they can um have some moral high ground when they stand against him uh, or stand in the runoffs for leader of the Tory party in the house of parliament the other day after his resignation Sajid Javid talked about wanting to be honest and have integrity and loyalty and it's the last thing that that man has Richie Sunak didn't make a speech in the Houses of Parliament that day. I don't know if he has since, but Javid with his, you know, trying to push the no jab, no job mandate for the NHS um, was down to him. And when he got called out by a fairly young but experienced anaesthetist on a ward asking him why he thinks he should have a vaccine that he doesn't need when he's healthy and has an immune system... And Sajid Javid's attitude was just so dismissive and condescending. The man shouldn't be anywhere near our government, as far as I'm concerned. No, you're absolutely right. And like I said, he's one of uh, one of Schwab's guys. Anyway, he's been down there on the stage at uh, at Davos many times uh, at the World Economic Forum. And to be honest, um, I, <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, even if there is someone other than him that replaces Boris, I'm just going to be happy to see the con man with costumes go. I, I'm tired of this uh, this photo op. You know, he's he's a, he's a warehouse worker one day. He's working at a vaccine clinic uh, the next day. He's he's uh, at a vaccine hub. You know, where they make the things, wearing uh, PPE with uh, with you know full goggles and everything else, holding a, a vaccine vial up to the light. He's uh, he's a warehouse worker delivering juice. Uh, he's in a full yeah, re- uh, refrigerator truck. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. He's a, he's a lorry driver he's, another day. It's, just, it's insane. He's the modern day version of Mr. Ben. Only our British listeners will understand that. I don't, it, but it was basically a kid's program where a guy would go to a fancy dress shop on a daily basis, put a costume on, walk through a door and be in that world. And, and that was Boris. He was just play acting uh, uh, and, and trying to ingratiate himself with the public. My major concern now is, in fact, I'm, you know, when when you're when you're scared that something is going to happen, that's when you're most fearful. Once it's happened, um, you know, you don't tend to be as scared. You start to calm down and just deal with the situation. So I won't say I'm scared that the next person is going to be just another WEF puppet because we know they are going to be another WEF puppet. I wonder. It's, if the entire resignation of the cabinet was not their plan anyway. Well, they, they've they've penetrated all the cabinets, so maybe they've got the next generation, the, the next set ready to go through, nicely penetrated. You know, Klaus has been there um, shaking hands and, and, and little phone calls here and there. Something I said to you earlier today when we spoke on the phone, I'm just trying to get it straight in my head. It's almost like all the world's politicians, the different 
um, European nations, America. We know they're puppets. It's obvious they're puppets from the build back better hand gestures and and the the phraseology. So we know they're puppets, but I think that they've all been given a slightly different brief. Uh, If they actually appeared to be all working towards the same goals, world peace would have broken out by now. But we've still got wars going on all over the place. We've still got arguments and conflict about the European Union and, and, and other negotiations and breakdowns in negotiations going on. So the politicians still try to appear to be doing something for their own countries, for their own voters. But at the same time, ultimately, they fail and they do a horrible job and things are just getting progressively worse. Uh, and I think we we need to remind people about all the things that have got progressively worse since the agenda started to be pushed forward and and their plans. I think, as you said a while back, Johnny, they, they got forced into this because of a couple of global situations, um, the 2008 crash being one of them, and then populist politicians being voted into positions of power, such as Donald Trump, perhaps even the um, the Brexit vote, because controlling Europe would have been a whole lot more easy if they only had to make one set of law changes through the European Commission rather than several sovereign nations. So what I'm trying to say is whoever we get, the people will see that that individual appear to make some difference and to make some improvements to the country. Fuel prices might go down. There might be another tax cut here and there. But ultimately, they are still following the World Economic Forum, Davos, World Bank, Rothschild agenda. You know, to the the tax cut point, I I don't know that they're actually going to continue doing. uh, Maybe they will in the UK. But I mean, uh, what we've been seeing here with the the current um, uh, Schwab lackey, they're raising taxes on us in the in the midst of a recession. Well, whoever it is, uh, I hope that although in this case, it's not going to be a general. So it's it's going to be whoever the party chooses and then they're going to have to finish out the term and then. Or, or, or unless a general gets called and then that person can then have a, a runoff and then you have the parties go back to the ballots and, and you guys go back to the ballot box. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's hope that um, let's hope that something can come out of this. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of hope in, in the sense that I'm, I'm not trying to be negative, but we all know what's been done to our elections here in the West, not just in the, in the UK. I mean, you guys have a relatively fair election system, I have to say. Uh, you, you have you, you have you have a system of a, of a paper ballot. You don't have any of the machines or anything. I actually I like the I like your guys' system, how the ballots are are tallied up. They're counted out there. The, the chain of custody is is within the entire time. It's in full view of the public. They're taken to communal areas such as like community buildings, high schools, you know, arenas, places like that. And they're dumped out there in full view of the public, in full view of the cameras. And there's no funny business. Everything is fair. I, I like your guys' uh, electoral system and your electoral process. I don't, however, like the parliamentary system with the parties, but I think we all agree on that. I, I don't like the, yeah. the, the party thing, but I like the way that you guys do your system. It's it's a very fair system, in my opinion, uh, and you guys seem to have it have it done pretty well there. So it's it's very difficult to cheat a general election in the UK, or or do you think that that's, that's inaccurate? No, I think that is accurate, that it's, it's a fairly... 
safe system as far as its integrity is concerned. It's a pity the politicians don't have any integrity, but the actual voting process is fairly secure. But as I said earlier, it's it's like once that thing that you were frightened of has happened, you, you don't need to be frightened of it anymore. You just have to deal with it. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Labour didn't win the next election. And I'm I'm not a socialist. I don't like the Labour Party. I used to like the Conservative Party, but because it's all so corrupt and got at, I am politically homeless uh, at the moment. I I have no party I would vote for. Politically homeless. I like that. We've been politically homeless yeah. refugees for many years now. But uh, anyway, moving right along, have you been following what's going on in the Netherlands? You clued me up to it uh, earlier, and I've seen a few of the... the but I, I had no idea of the scale of the protest in the Netherlands, and, and I, I think it's pretty marvellous what the farmers are doing and the fishermen are doing. And But it's, a, it's another EU government that are just ruining people's lives. They are slowly but surely destroying our ability to feed ourselves by saying you can't produce this you can't produce that you must cut this emission that emission the use of this chemical the use of this fertilizer for instance uh, and wow i mean some of the pictures just for the listeners benefit some of the pictures show big this is a border eight, crossing this is a border crossing yeah, with eight lane highways completely jammed with thousands and possibly even tens of thousands of of farm vehicles, of tractors. Yeah, it's, again, I, I really do wish that the British were much, much better at protesting. Well, you we guys need are to, actually, to get... you, you guys are actually, this is, um, th this is on, um, I don't know exactly where this is, but this was in the UK, I can tell because it's the opposite side of the road that you guys are going down, per your own way of doing things there. Uh, but this is a protest that took, oh, the M4, excuse me. This is a protest that took place in the UK over the week, uh, earlier part of the week, over surging fuel prices and yeah it was it was a it was a slow deliberate traffic jam but who's that attacking really who is that actually hurting is it hurting the government is it hurting no. the fuel the fuel companies no no it's hurting the normal everyday people who are just trying to use the m4 and that's what i mean about being better at protesting we need to direct our protest to the people who are responsible for whatever grievance it is that we we're protesting about the idea that they had which was to for one week nobody use a shell garage forecourt the next week no one used texaco then no one used sainsbury's no one used asda take it in turns to really hit them where it hurts in their bottom line if they're not selling their overpriced fuel because no one's buying it from that particular gas station for a while particularly shell and bp that's that's where people should direct their their protest not slow down everybody's day by causing a, a traffic jam on the m4 so yeah that's what no, i meant by that Johnny. no that's a fair point no it's that's a fair point no i i agree with you it's not any better than the uh the extinction rebellion people or the insulate britain people that are out there sitting in front of traffic saying that you're fighting climate change you're actually causing more emissions by stopping well, if you the ask me, uh, both of those 
protests were probably organized and suggested by the same person or the same group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they seem to share it's similar. Soros uh, all over it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, they it's seem to share Soros similar slogans. You know, stay home if you can. You know, that's that's usually what Extinction Rebellion say. Stay home if you can. The protests that are going on in the Netherlands are a result of the government saying that they will cut nitrogen emissions by 70% by 2030. 70%. Nitrogen emissions. Do you know what that means? That means no livestock. That means no fertilizer. That means no farming. That means no food. You know, I, I love these people that are like the, the Klaus Schwab types and these these World Economic Forum types, the, these these morons. I love these people that say, oh, well, this is going to force a change in innovation. This is going to force innovation to come along and, and come up with something better than what we've got. Someday, someday that'll happen. Hopefully, that's what their solution is. Oh, we're, we're going to shut everything down and that's going to force the change, but we don't know when. It's just going to happen sometime. So we're just supposed to um, die in the meantime. I mean, we all know that that's what the goal is here, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, they, they talk about forcing a change. Evolution takes time. People need to evolve into changes that are going to be meaningful and successful. If you suddenly fill the room with water... You can't evolve a set of gills so you can breathe underwater in two minutes, so you drown. And and that's the situation they're putting us in. Uh, to, to what you were saying about uh, they, they're wanting to force change and whatnot, I think they are going to force change. They're going to force a change of power. It's not gonna, they're not going to have any of the innovations that they're wanting. It's either going to be the people rise up and overthrow them, or it's going to be a new di uh, digital dark age. Uh, th those those are the two directions I see this going. You're not going to be able to make the kind of innovations they want in the amount of time that needs to happen. So yeah, there will be a change. They won't need that. The, there's loads of rewilding going on as well. Large areas of the country that were uh, useful arable land is being rewilded. So it's being allowed to grow wild grasses, uh, trees to take root and grow again, introducing animals that have become extinct in the UK, like the golden eagle. Uh, huge eagles have been reintroduced. They've already killed people's pet dogs, these eagles that have been in introduced. They're, they're talking about wolves and, and wild boar and other quite dangerous animals that our, our little country has, has done without for quite some time. In an Wolves ideal just world, don't make sense. I'm sorry, on uh, especially well, when you're an island like that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, they, no, no, you're right. It'll, it'll be bears next. We we did have bear bears here at one point. Yeah, they got rid of all. But, the, they killed all the wolves and the bears here where I'm at, and they've got a real problem here. And when I say a real problem, deer, yeah, deer yeah. in season 365 days a year here because there's no yeah. natural predator for them. That's a problem. But the the reintroduction of 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 a you know, an apex predator like a, a wolf can have some some pretty amazing effects on the land, like like Johnny says, when you've got high quantities of deer. But here in the UK, we're not even allowed we're not allowed to shoot deer unless you've got a license, because all the deer belong to someone. It's on someone's land. So therefore, you know, we don't have any wilderness. Every piece of land in this country is owned or it's common land, and there isn't much of that around and you can't shoot on that anyway so we can't control that that problem if we could if we were allowed to it'd go 
obviously the wrong way to begin with until people realise that they need to just shoot what they're going to eat. Because at first they'd be shooting everything. We'd probably have whole species of muntjac and red and roe deer wiped out. But if we were allowed to, we still couldn't because we haven't got any guns. So, so, so we can't do it. And we can't hunt with bow and arrow because that's made illegal here as well. I think um, on the other side of this, my friend, we're going to have to rework things for our respective countries. I'm, I'm curious real quick. Uh, in, in the UK, how do they feel about air guns? Again, you can own one, but only 12 foot pound. So it's you, you could probably knock a wood pigeon off of a fence at 20 feet. Something like that with a 12 foot pound. So there's no um, loophole. No. It, there's a loophole it, here in the United States for um, air guns. It, they, the US does not consider an air gun a firearm. So you can have an air gun that's like a 50 caliber and uh, it have enough pressure to be lethal at, you know, 100 yards and no regulations. No. And in, in the UK, um, if uh, the air gun is over 12 foot pounds you actually need a firearm certificate to own it yeah see here we could have an air gun that's fully automatic and it would be legal if you could make an air gun that does that it would be completely legal whereas if you get a firearm that's fully automatic you have to go through so many hoops pay like forty thousand dollars you know between the gun and the license and all the paperwork it's it's ridiculous and then you have to give up your your fourth amendment and your second amendment on top of that yeah but it this is the issue. You've got governments that seem to be destroying our ability to feed ourselves. And no one cares because at the end of the day, those ones that are making those policies, they know what the plan is. They know that it's to have less people on the planet. And that, and that's what they're pushing towards. I actually despise myself every time I say something like that because it sounds so crazy. It sounds so out there. But you know, when when you look at everything that's happening, it's the only conclusion you can come to. They don't yeah. want as many people on the pl- on the planet. The Guidestones had that yeah. message on, didn't they? Yeah. Well, so we'll, the we'll talk about Guidestones. That. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that Sorry. in a second. I, I do want to get. No, that's. It, I'm glad you brought that up because we we are going to talk about that. But before we do, I want to get to this last clip here. You're familiar with the actress Nicole Kidman, yes? Yes. She did a promo video. Uh, And she's not the only one who's done this, but she did a promo video for Vanity Fair. And this is where they want to take it. It's in your face of where they want to take this. This is what they want to replace farming with. This is what they want to replace your food supply with. I'm Nicole Kidman, and I am going to eat a four-course meal of bugs. I am here to reveal my hidden talent, eating micro-livestock. Cornworms, they're still alive. Mmm, extraordinary. Mmm, very moist, chewy. Can't quite describe the flavor, but need a little water. Let's try the second car, shall we? Just a little side note. Two billion people in the world eat bugs, and I'm one of them. Because here we go. Have some mealworms. I'm telling you, I'd win Survivor. That is a um, 
fruity taste, I'd recommend it. Here we have. Oh, oh. crickets. Oh, nothing. Oh. oh, awesome. Like nothing you've ever tasted. Like a hairy nut. <laughs> Don't. Oh my gosh. A nut from the shell. And now for dessert. Mmm, the fried grasshopper. These are amazing. These are exquisite grasshoppers. I recommend them to anyone. Thank you for spending so much time with me and watching me eat bugs. Till next time. Aren't you looking forward to the, uh, the future that they have planned for everyone? I've done survival training. Not as much as some people might think I have, but I have done some. And if I was absolutely starving, I might consider eating any of those things. But I'm not. Although, yes, millions of people around the world eat those things on a daily basis doesn't mean that I want to or have to or should have to. Nicole Kidman is as mad as a box of frogs. She was married to that nut job. Out of Tom Top Cruise. Gun. Can't even Tom think Cruise. of his name. Yeah, there you go. Tom Cruise. He hasn't met me, by the way. He's not famous enough. However, she ran away from that relationship, and it seems that it was because of his heavy involvement inside Scientology. You know, he was in a cult, and this is a cult that uh, is driving us to, to eat bugs instead of a nice steak or a piece of ham or a nice piece of fish or even just decent vegetables. Because let's face it, there's, no, there's, there's nothing better than a, than, than a nice fresh salad. Well, there is. There's a steak and a fresh salad. That's, but, that's yeah, better. Steak but and, a fr and don't forget about a good piece of lovely kale. I know how much you love kale. Kale is for feeding cattle with. <laughs> there's a clue in the front of it. It's an alliteration, kale cattle, you see, not for people. But anyway. Yeah, she's a, she's a Fruit Loop. She can advertise eating bugs as much as she likes. I don't think anyone's going to pay any real attention to her, apart from um, the hard of thinking and the vacuous, you know, celebrity mad idiots that that we've that we've got these days. The status of being a celebrity should be have a nice, quiet, private life, uh, enjoying the the money that that their fame and talent has brought them. But no, they, they have to get involved politically, don't they? They, they do, have yeah. to, to be more than just someone who's a good singer, a good actor, a good comedian, a good artist, you know, a good musician. Just be that. Be that and be happy that you're that. I mean, Kidman's made some great films. I can't think of one, but she has made some great films. So just crack on doing that and stop trying to make people eat bugs you complete lunatic. So it, when you watch the video, I, I was trying to pick up on any kind of like, even when you're acting, there's a there's a slight, how do I say this? You can see through the, the facade briefly. There, there's, there's little glimpses you can see in there and tell when they're acting. Some method actors are really good at like covering all that up and you, you can't tell. But all of that aside, let's say you can't. Let's just say you don't see any of that with what she was doing. Did you see the set that they were on? Very elegant, made it look nice, um, very posh. She was dressed nice. 
they delivered the the bugs on nice uh you know what what would be considered higher class with a little here dome yeah. thing on top yeah yeah. yeah 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 it was made like propaganda and I, th that's all i took it as it was just propaganda this this is not like what okay if if bugs were so good and so tasty i'm going to hear about it by word of mouth from people that have tried it before and like it and then talk to me about it I'm not going to listen to some celebrity uh, who is clearly doing propaganda that is a paid liar. That's that's literally their job is to lie to you. And you're going to listen to them over this. Mm. Oh, I'll pass. Have you ever eaten a, a trout straight out of a river? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and you get that slightly earthy taste, don't you, in the trout? And of course, it all depends on what those bugs are feeding I mean, at the end of the day, they are just protein. And whatever they've been feeding on, there will be a residual flavor from that. When she was describing the, the crickets as a hairy nut, um, she did that to be salacious and, and just a bit funny. Oh, oh, how we laughed. But yeah, they, they <laughs> certain bugs have got a nutty flavor. They're, you know, they, they taste like a, a sort of a cross between a walnut and a hazelnut and the, those kind of things. And it all depends on what the bug's been eating. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if all of the bugs that she ate then had spent the last 24 to 48 hours in a glass of Prosecco. That's um, entirely possible. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. uh, depending on what, as you as you said, depending on what they've been uh, feeding on, I would say to that uh whatever is being offered at bill gates's gmo fungus farms that, that would be my guess yeah yeah well when i shoot a wood pigeon the first thing i do is open the gizzard and see what it's been feeding on because that will tell me whether or not i'm gonna put that pigeon into a curry or whether i'm gonna take the breasts off and and uh cook it in butter with a bit of garlic and a and maybe a few cherries because the flavor of the meat will be the same as as whatever it's been eating. There, there will be a residue of that. that actually, There's another that thing. Really good, you know, the garlic and the and the butter and the cherries. That, that sounds really good. The thing about wood pigeons is they they're not very large. If you if you can be bothered to to pluck a whole wood pigeon, most people would probably need two or a whole one each at least for for a decent meal. So quite often we just use the breast. The rest of it gets turned into yeah to a curry yeah. or something yeah. later but there's another thing that i don't know if you've ever noticed this they call it boar taint on certain pork products if the animal is stressed when it's slaughtered you get this really nasty flavor running through the meat because it's all the what's the word i'm looking for well adrenaline. it's like a the adrenaline it, it's the hormones that are running through its its body stress hormones can you imagine if you got a batch of bugs that hadn't been soaked in prosecco and actually were were a bit stressed out good luck chowing down on those there's all sorts of different things that, that affect flavor but at the end of the day you can't argue and i'm not going to bother to try and argue that they wouldn't be a viable source of protein they are I just don't want to do it. So I'm just going to say no, thanks. The problem is, is I don't know how viable they are in the long term because meat has certain proteins and amino acids involved. Well, I mean, amino acids are part of proteins. Uh, they're, they're involved in that that you're not going to get from bugs. Unless the bugs were feeding on meat themselves, you're not going to get those kind of proteins in bugs. This is the same argument I have with uh, my vegan friends. And they're like, well... Science says, and this is where 
things come, you, you get a gray area. You have the vegan scientists who are saying, no, you don't need these things. And then you have scientists saying, no, you need these things. So I'm kind of erring on the side of, I don't know, we've been eating this stuff for thousands of years. And this is kind of, you know, what we've evolved with. So yeah, we still need meat. That, that's kind of going to be my my stance on it is that, that that's where it's at. Yeah. You can't just do an about face like that and, and shift gears no. like just overnight. Yeah. You, you just can't do that. That's going to cause untold ramifications down the line for, for years to come. Like I said earlier, you can't evolve gills in two minutes, even if the room is filled with water. So forcing these kind of changes are designed to kill people. I mean, there, there's no other way of looking yeah. at it. It's yeah. it's what it's for. It's, yeah. to, oh, I don't want to eat bugs. The future looks really horrible. I tell you what, I'm going to go and take uh, an overdose of sleeping pills. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's That's... it's depressing people. This kind of news put across, as Bruce quite rightly points out, as a sort of high-class propaganda piece will depress people. People are going to go, no, we know you're a lunatic, Kidman, and we know this message is wrong. There's no way you're going to convince us that eating mealworms and crickets and all other manner of bugs is going to be good for us or nice for us even. So, no, thanks very much. Stop the bus. I want to get off. And and we've already got extreme high levels of, of suicide that's been on the rise since the lockdown, since the isolation, since the wearing of masks of dehumanized people and stop that connection between people. There's there's nothing quite like having a nice dinner with people. That's that's really, really enjoyable. Can you imagine a dinner party rocking up to a dinner party and being served that crap that she was eating? Oh yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. They're gonna have restaurants with uh with bugs like that. You can believe it. If they're well, they not already, already have in other parts of the world, but that's yeah, where yeah, people have grown up with that as a food yeah. source. If you if you're a person that wants to eat that stuff, then you go right ahead and eat it. I have no problem with somebody that wants to eat it. You can go out and eat tree bark for all I care. I don't care. Go ahead. Just don't hold a gun to my head and tell me that I have to or else. That's where we have a problem. Uh, I, I would also recommend the listener go on and just do a quick search on um, foods that help uh, your body synthesize testosterone, as an example. And uh -huh. you'll find that many of the foods that they're telling you not you can't have anymore help synthesize testosterone and then go and look at what testosterone does, especially for the male counterparts. What they do is it basically all the the increases in, uh, you know, muscle strength, tendon strength, twitch reflexes, uh, your your lung capacity, everything, the larger heart, everything that makes, you know, the male different biologically testosterone is a key to that but it also affects mood and it makes men more ambitious more they have more of a drive to them testosterone is one of believed to be one of the main uh driving forces behind that chemically speaking and they're telling you not to eat those foods anymore and you're eating other foods that doesn't contain it theoretically making more more complicit in that same ted talk that you mentioned when ned was on the other day gates also talked about genetically breeding out the gene that causes aggression. Well, it's the same gene 
that's aggression, drive, determination, all those things. You you give it one name, but it's got several names. It depends on the situation. And so if you find yourself a bit low on testosterone and all of a sudden you're faced with a bit of a difficult situation, it's not going to go well for you, is it? You're not going to be at your best to be able to, to cope with it. Some of the things I've been through recently, if I didn't have a lifetime of eating really good quality steak and, and other meats and having built up quite high levels of, of testosterone, I might not have got through what, what happened to me. So, yeah, you make a really good point there. But one, what I was going to say is that there's a fruit in, in the Far East called the durian. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't, but I'm no, curious. But yes. it it looks like a, a massive pine cone, but it's it, you know it's all knobbly and big and green, and it smells like a dead body. There's signs on the the hotels and other shops in in Singapore, for instance, that say no durian because it, it smells really really bad. But when you get past that, open it up, and inside there's this gorgeous creamy fruit. Um, apparently, there we go. There's a picture of one or several, actually. And it's a real delicacy. People love it. And I'm sure if you had no choice, bugs would be the same. You'd first, it'd be just getting past that point, but then you'd get used to it. But I don't want to get used to it. I want to um, continue the way I am. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree with you. Moving right along, this will be our last topic. The Georgia Guidestones, uh, as you'd previously mentioned, the Georgia Guidestones were hit by what looked to be an improvised explosive device in the middle of the night. Uh, we woke up, what was it, yesterday and saw that uh, they'd uh, at least one of them had been, uh, had been blown up. Uh, it was, I did hear this morning, the one that was blown up, the, the stone that was blown up, was the one with the English inscriptions on it. Uh, there are uh, eight languages, I think, that they were uh, that they were inscribed on there. English was one, Japanese, German, Spanish, French, and then I think it was like three other uh, three other languages that aren't spoken any longer. I think now I don't know the the specifics behind these things, as in like th there's a there's a reason that they were put there. As in, there's a reason they were put in the place that they are at. I can't remember what that is. Has to do, has something to do with the astrological positioning or or something like that. that. That's what I was reading like 10, 15 years ago. But these things appeared in 1979, and they contain some writings that basically say, "Look, we got to maintain the world's population of around 500 million. Don't let it go past that. You got to be uh, one with nature. Blah blah blah." Uh, which the whole idea of humanity's connection with nature, that's a given. You don't need to be reminded of that. Maintain a healthy population of the world, blah, blah, blah. All, all the usual stuff that we hear from the Gates types, you know, the Club of Rome types. No one knows who put these things there. They just appeared one day. Now they've been hit by an explosive and then they were later destroyed, as in they were all knocked down yesterday afternoon. So uh, no one's actually claimed ownership of these things. No, no one's been able to determine who put them there or why they just showed up one day and we've been it was somebody using a since. false name oh is that what it was it yeah. was yeah it was a false name because he went uh it was somebody named robert c christian but it was a pseudonym it wasn't that's not his real okay. name uh and they approached the elberton granite finishing company uh-huh and basically just said um he wanted he wanted something to rival the neolithic monument uh stonehenge uh so 
That's yeah, not really something that you can rival Stonehenge with. If you've ever no. seen Stonehenge and I been up not, close to it, it is, despite the fact that it was built in, you know, really ancient times and the stones were carried all the way from Wales to Wiltshire, some distance of around about, well, as the crow flies, uh, around about 130 to, to 200 miles. And they, they've identified the specific quarry in Wales where it came from. But nowadays, when you get up to Stonehenge, it is entirely underwhelming. It, it's not that impressive a monument. In fact, those um, those guide stones were, were actually a bit more impressive than, than one of the main arches uh, of Stonehenge. But the message that was on the guide stones was... Even in 1979, we had more people on the planet than 500 million. So even then, it was suggesting that a cull was necessary, in their opinion. Okay, so let's the inscriptions. So they are. Thanks for pulling that up, Bruce. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. There's your world court. Let all nations rule internally, resolving. External disputes in a world court, uh-huh. Avoid petty laws and useless officials, uh-huh. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. That sounds like it's straight out of the Club of Rome. That sounds like Dennis Meadows, doesn't it, Bruce? It does, yeah. And this is um, a lot of, uh, well, hidden speech. Um, Machiavellian, uh, if you will. Uh, because it, the, there's stuff in here that's um, one language. This is okay. So from the Christian side of things, right? From 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 a religious standpoint, uh, the third one where you're supposed to unite the languages. Yeah, we we've seen that once more once before in history. Whether you believe in Christianity or not, and just see the Bible as a, a history book or a storybook. Well, there's a story that's thousands of years old about humans getting together under one language, forming under one idea. And that going disastrous, really. So, I mean, this has all been done before, what they're describing here. Uh, passion, faith, tradition, I mean, tempered with reason. That's essentially the Tower of Babel, is yeah. what they're describing here. And again, we've talked about the future of mankind and are we going to get into the next star system? Are we going to get onto the next planet? And my opinion is it'll only ever happen when you have a single world government and every resource on the planet is working in that one direction. So I personally never wanted it to happen, but that's just me. And it may well happen. And it's the aspirations of a lot of other people that it should happen. But the Tower of Babel, uh, and again, I'm not a religious man, but I'm familiar with the story from the Bible. They tried to build a tower all the way up to God. So it's, it's the same kind of concept as going on to the next planet to reach mars to reach into the skies god wasn't happy with it crashed the tower down and after the tower had finished falling everybody spoke a different language and you know there, there's a a babel fish in the um uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy which is a small fish that you put in your ear and it will translate any language to you but that's that's fiction so all of those things, those 10 things that were on the guide stones, 
They are about eugenics. There's the Kalergi plan involved in there where you've got, you know, careful reproduction and encouraging diversity. Um, and we know, we actually know that the more diverse a baby's gene or parents' gene pools are, the greater chance of health and strength and beauty that that baby has. However, it's okay when it happens naturally, but when it's forced, such as we're seeing at the moment, where you've got this massive movement across the North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, through the Middle East, through the Levant, into Europe, into Western Europe, of Arabic and African people, it is causing instant melting pot. And again, I fully support people who want to be as diverse as possible. That's your your choice. But when it's forced on you, it's it's a different thing. It's it it feels different. It feels wrong. And all of those things on those stones were this evil agenda that we're facing right now. And and that that was seventy nine. That's not that long ago, considering that Kudnov Kalergi formed the League of Nations in nineteen twenty three or maybe nineteen twenty around about that time. So it was after the First World War. Again, possibly with all the right intentions to make sure that a war like that never took place again. And all of those things on the that were on the guidestones, if you take them at face value, seem like perfectly common sense. But as Bruce says, it's all doublespeak. It's all hidden in 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 the message. You know, and underneath it, you have to read between the lines. How are you going to achieve all those things? And what is the overall aim of achieving those things? It certainly isn't the 7.2 billion people we've got on, on the planet at the moment having a, a free and prosperous life. It's about having a, a damn sight less than, is it 7.2 we've got at the moment? Around about that. Something like that, yeah. It's about a whole lot less people being told what to do, a global government and centralised lawmaking. Uh, and it's it's an absolute horror to look at. Can't say that I'm that I'm not glad <laughs> that uh, that it's gone. You know, for for years I've been saying, God, I wish somebody would just bulldoze those damn things. You know, I, I mean, I've been saying that for for many years. Most people don't even know what those things are. They don't even know that those existed until now. Now people know what they are. A lot of people didn't even know where they were, uh, and p- some people have heard of them. I actually had somebody here once tell me. Or, or asked me rather, they said, hey, have you heard of those uh, those stones that are in Georgia? Uh, just out of the blue, somebody mentioned that to me one day. I said, have you ever, you ever heard of those stones in Georgia that talk about maintaining a population of no more than half a billion people? And I said, you know about those? I said, oh yeah. So some people know about them, but most people don't. That was the number one trend on Twitter after that happened. Uh, it, and they weren't negative comments that were going on uh, within that conversation either. They were A lot of people were saying, didn't know these existed, glad they're gone. Yeah, I, I have to agree. You know, go, just looking looking at them further, just the 10, uh, 10 uh, interesting number they chose there. Again, uh-huh. uh, hearkening yeah. back to religious text. But uh, the, the one that really, after uh, that kind of stuck out is uh, unite humanity with a living new language. What are we seeing right now with language? You can't say certain things because it's offensive, right? Got uh, the, the most recent one was spaz that they just got rid of. You, you can't say that now um, because it's offensive uh, for, for some reason. 
Well, they um, are changing so, everything. All like right, the language that, is changing. That makes it. That makes Sorry, it a did living. You, did you language. say spaz? Yeah, S P A Z. Yeah. Oh yeah. That. Well, that that's been offensive for a long time because the term spastic, and I don't want to teach you to suck eggs because you probably already know. Spastic means stiff in the joints, yeah. uh, and. People used to call people with Down syndrome spastics, and they used to be the uh, the Spastic Society, uh, which was a charity, and it changed its name. So, quite frankly, the term "spaz" is quite offensive. Not but here people in the US. use it to each other all the t- all the time, and it's it's kind of. Uh, or it was kind of less offensive than some other terms that that we could throw at each other. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I actually think they mean or meant by uh, unite the world for a universal language is a computer language. It's digitized because machines all speak the same code or can be made to speak the same code. Rudimentary, but, it's binary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I I don't, but I don't think that it's necessarily helpful for us to second guess what each line meant. What we need to look at is what would be the consequences of each line if it actually came to fruition. Not necessarily what whoever had them inscribed meant by them, uh, because some of them are fairly clear. Uh, Keep a population of 500 million. There's only one way to do that, and that means as soon as number 500 million and one gets born... Someone has to be topped. Someone has to be got rid of. It's the whole, was it Logan's run when you reached a certain age that it was, you know, when you, when you, when your wristband went a different color, you were, you were getting to a point where you would have to go out and be chased and, and hunted down, basically. Um, there's a, there's a TV series I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, or was that a movie? Yeah. It was a TV series here, at okay. least Lo- yeah, Logan's yeah, yeah. run. It's, I I couldn't remember. It's I, I I was really young when I saw it, so it's been a long time since I've uh, since I've seen it. It's a movie as well. It, yeah, yeah, I thought it'd been, been a movie. movie. Yeah. Okay. But um, if anyone's if anyone's going to look up those those ten statements, just think about what the consequences of them coming true would be, uh, and and then it will tell show you just how horrific it would be and what kind of perverted mind put something like that on a monument. And I hope I didn't misquote you when I posted that two days ago. Oh, no. It's definitely a case of, oh, dear, how sad. Never mind. Very good. In the the words of Windsor Davis from It Ain't Half Hot Mum, any American or um, other nationality than, than the UK who have not seen It Ain't Half Hot Mum, please try and get hold of it before it gets banned for being overtly racist, which it wasn't, but you know, they're, they're, they're giving everything that, that label these days. On that note, we are going to have to go. So the Georgia Guidestones are gone, and I hope that they stay gone. As you said, oh dear, how sad, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> so for those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. Well done, Johnny, for fighting through that. 